Oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Hey, guys, it's John. It's good to be back. Uh, Mitch ain't here today, so I'm stepping in. I hope you don't mind. No. Hey, John, we miss you, man. A <laughs> uh, little bit of a preamble here. Uh, so in the last five weeks, that's week t- 14 through 18, a.k.a. the fantasy playoffs, running back one during that time. Probably pretty well known in the fantasy community at this point, Rashad Penny. Maybe less well known at this point. Uh, Running back two, Devin Singletary. And so today's coin toss is going to be all about Devin Singletary. Now, Devin Singletary and the Bills play the New England Patriots in the playoffs on Saturday night. The last time that these guys played, uh, it looks like it was three weeks ago. And it was snowy really nasty weather. Wasn't real football being played. They've got a rematch going. And so the coin toss today is going to be related to that. Uh, So let's call it. Got a coin right here. Trey, heads or tails? Give me heads. It is indeed heads. Do you want the ball? All right. Yeah. Okay. So courtesy of Underdog, the rushing line for Devin Singletary this Saturday is over under 60.5 yards rushing. And just to give you a little bit of context, last time they played, Devin, Devin Singletary had 39 yards rushing. So what do you think, Trey? Over under 60.5 yards rushing. Oh, I hate that line. I hate that line if it's against a Pats defense that's just going to do everything they can to make them throw in those conditions. They really like throwing. But you said Singletary was the number two uh fantasy running back over the last five weeks works yeah he last week even last week he had Uh, 88 yards rushing the week before 110 i'll go with i'll go with the over just because i think the conditions you know looking at the weather report like the conditions do look really crappy uh so i think you know buffalo's gonna have to run it a little bit more than they like to uh i don't have the data in front of me but i don't think the new england defense is playing as well now as they were at the beginning of the year. So no, especially against the run Trey. Yeah. Thanks man. They've been pretty bad. So yeah, I'll take the over. Yeah. uh, So that being said, I guess I'm taking the under Um, (laughs) and Trey gestured to it, but Bill Belichick is probably going to want to force the bills to throw. And even as I'm saying that it sounds ridiculous uh, because forcing Josh Allen to make plays with his howitzer of an arm is probably not uh, the best route. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll just go with under because I don't have a good reason. But um, I yeah, I mean, obviously cards on the table. I would have chosen the the over here, too. And it's just because in the interim, Devin Singletary has become just an absolute workhorse for the Buffalo Bills and the Patriots. They're a funnel defense. Right. And that they're funneling toward the run. Um, So I think. The Bills kind of figured out that Devin Singletary is the best running back on the roster. It took them, you know, 13 weeks to do so. Um, but I, I think he's going to have success. So I'm glad you agree with me, man. It sounds like I, you should have won the coin toss instead of me. Yeah, sound, <laughs> sounds like it should have been tails. But, you know, I, I would actually I would agree with all of you. And the reason I picked this one is because last week I picked the Patriots to win during the half taint segment. Uh, and you know what the, you know what the dolphins did is they handed the ball to Duke Johnson 25 times and they handed the ball to Philip Lindsay 11 times. And that was a winning formula. So I think you guys got it on the nose there. Dude, your halftime parlay <laughs> was shut down by Duke Johnson, Jr. Duke. 
not just Duke Johnson Jr., but Duke Johnson Jr. with 117 rushing yards and a touchdown. PPR RB1, Duke Johnson Jr. That's, John, that's I'm so exactly sorry. Right. I'm so sorry. Yeah, man. that's that's got to be rough for you. I mean, our, our listeners may not know, but John Alexander is a longtime Duke Johnson fan. Uh, you know, he's been he's been calling him a PPR RB1 since like 2015. Proving me right. Was, Duke Johnson was John's uh, reputation player before we started doing reputation players. <laughs> yeah. <true. laughs> What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benchuya. With me today, John Alexander Yo. and Trey Cryan. John, we missed you, man. I mean, shout out to Mitch. He's not with us today. Um, safe travels to Mitch. But John, what's going on, man? It's good to be back. Uh, life's been busy, but God damn, does it feel good to be back. I uh, hope I don't scare away all the new listeners. Hi, I'm John. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be fine. Trey, what's going on, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh, it's playoffs, baby. Let's go. Let's go indeed all right uh speaking about the playoffs let's talk about uh, a running back who's going to be in the playoffs um today we're going to be kind of throwing back to our reputation players that uh we detailed in early september but before we do that there's a player he's not a reputation player that i've been wanting to talk about for like three or four weeks but i just haven't found an opportunity to on the podcast. So I'm going to throw it to y'all. And that player is Elijah Mitchell running back one for the San Francisco 49ers. And this guy is just fascinating to me because throughout this season, he came back from injury three separate times and Kyle Shanahan rammed 20 plus touches down his throat every single time he did. So just as I thought, okay, I think Elijah Mitchell is probably a good sell because we our Kyle Shanahan's running back situation is kind of unpredictable. He doesn't have the draft capital. Just when I think that he comes back from a, you know, relatively serious injury where he misses time and he gets over 20 touches a week. So what do we think about his dynasty value moving forward? I mean, there's a lot to like about Elijah Mitchell. Uh, the usage, like you mentioned, is absolutely incredible. And he was a great late round uh, dart flow and or dart throw in uh, rookie drafts last year, just because of his, you know, awesome athletic profile coming out of uh coming out of the Sun Belt. So uh I mean right now keep trade cut has him at running back 18. So he's in a similar range to uh guys like Cam Akers, Travis Etienne. He's also priced at about a 2022 mid first round pick in Superflex. So all that's to say that is that sounds pretty fair to me. And I think I'm holding at that value. Now, I would probably go Akers over Mitchell over ETN at this point. But I think there's also something to be said that, um, you know, as we get into the offseason and people start to get, uh, you know, a little bit uh, more into trading and and looking at, you know, how can we make their uh, their roster younger going into next season? I think Elijah Mitchell's value could go up between now and next year so. Uh, if he does get up into that running back 10, running back nine range, then I would definitely be looking to sell. But for now, it seems like a pretty fair hold to me. 
Yeah, I think I'm right there as well. If I'm like in the middle of the of my rookie draft and I'm sitting on pick number five in Superflex and I've got a choice and the two running backs that I think are decent are gone um, and I can make a move for Elijah Mitchell, I'm pretty happy to do that. Uh, San Francisco is going to run the ball and I think that's really good value there. Uh, I think that anyone, whoever is the lead back in San Francisco has shown that they're a running back one in Dynasty. That's just, it's as simple as that. My only concerns... They're a running back one week to week. It's like for whoever for the weeks is. that they're playing. I don't know about dynasty value, but yeah. Who, yeah. That, thank you for that clarification. That's a good point. If they are the starter for the San Francisco 49ers, they are running back one. But They're putting up running back one numbers for right, sure. Right. My only concern with Mitchell is, and I don't know if this is not part of his game. Um, I don't remember that being part of his game in, when we were scouting him back, way back in uh, when we're doing the rookie profiles, but he his he's a bit of a fade for me in PPR formats just because he's putting up Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb level receptions. Um, and I, I'm not sure that has as much to do with him as much as it has to do with the 49ers are throwing it to their other running back, <clears throat> Debo Samuel. Their running back one, Debo Samuel. So I like Elijah Mitchell, and I think he's an excellent running back, but... I, I don't know. It's really hard for me to trust this offense right now. Debo's the man for me, and he's the one that I want on that offense. The rest of them, it just seems like such a wild card, especially now that we're moving into Trey Lance territory. Who knows how this offense is going to evolve? It's an open question for me. Yeah, fair point. Uh, so Mitchell played 11 games last year. In those 11 games, he had uh, 207 rushing attempts, which is insane. Uh, it was good for 963 yards. Uh, but only 20 targets, uh, which he turned into 137 receiving yards. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, he he was not really a weapon in the passing game. If you go back to his college stats at Louisiana Lafayette, uh, he had a 6.8% college target share, which that's not really high enough for me to think he's yeah. going to really tran- that's going to translate to the NFL. Uh, there, one thing he does have going for him, just looking at the stats, is the touchdown rate. He only had six touchdowns last year on all of those opportunities. That's good for only a 2.7% rate. So there's probably some baked-in positive regression there. But as you mentioned, with Trey Lance uh, potentially getting more playing time next year, I think maybe guaranteed uh, we're going to see more Trey Lance next year. Then um, who knows how that's going to shake out for the red zone looks between Lance, Mitchell, and the other running backs on the roster. Right. Basically, guys, I'm ready for Dynasty Chaos when, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan takes Kyron Williams in the fourth round. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hope that's I, what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I know this isn't a Kyron Williams discussion, but I hope he makes second, third round draft capital because he's a guy. Yeah, me I, too. I, I, I like. Yeah, I like what I'm seeing out of him as well. Um, OK, so let's kick off this first half and. I mentioned it earlier, but uh, let me mention it more fully. Today, we are doing a reputation player redux. So back uh, on the episode that released on September 2nd, we uh, did a show called Reputation Players, where essentially each of us picked two players that we were willing to stake our reputation on as, you know, dynasty players, dynasty analysts, whatever you want to call it. So now that we are digesting the regular season, I think it makes sense for us to kind of go back 
and think about what those players were and kind of what our process was and, you know, whether we made good calls, bad calls, or, you know, provide context to what we said back then uh, and maybe learn from our mistakes. So for this first half, uh, we will be doing our first four reputation players. And Mitch is not here, but uh, we're still going to talk about his reputation. So uh, his first one was David Montgomery running back for the Chicago Bears. He finished running back 17 in PPR points per game. That was good for a running back 20 overall fantasy finish. And of course, that's between weeks 1 and 17. We're not counting week 18 here. Um, He had 42 receptions on 51 targets. So that was kind of the part that you could really be happy about for David Montgomery. And that was the biggest feature that Mitch highlighted in the original Reputation Player episode. He was especially helpful in week 16 and 17 if you got to your semifinals with 23.6 PPR points and 21.1 PPR points. And that was kind of a similar dance as he did last year. So last year, he was kind of the running back four overall and running back one down the stretch. And this year, between weeks 11 and 17, he was the running back seven in PPR points per game. So let's think back to what Mitch was saying. His take was that he'd be a top 10 fantasy running back this year and that going into next year, he'd be top 10 in ADP. Neither of those predictions came true, you know, perfectly, but he definitely helped dynasty managers down the stretch again. So what do we think about Monty here four to five months later after the season? Well, I want to take a small victory lap because as I was re-listening to that episode, I told Mitch, I said, I think he's going to be a mid to low end running back uh, too. And that's, that's exactly what happened. But I think what, I think what happened at the end of last year is David Montgomery popped and that's what was appealing to Mitch. And you know what? God damn, it happened again. Weeks 14 through 17, the fantasy playoffs, David Montgomery was running back four. So is it, is there value in that? Yeah, there's a lot of value in that. Like he could win you a championship and he could have done it two years in a row. So I'm actually going to give uh, Mitch a W here because those of the folks who listened to Mitch and went and got David Montgomery, that might have helped them win a ship. So good job, Mitch. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, it might have helped him win the ship, but it also might have knocked him out of the playoffs because he was, you know, not Details. really available <laughs> the Details. rest of the season, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's, I so I'm I'm with you on this, John. Like I would have uh, had him in that low end, uh, running back two range going into the season. Uh, you know, this is not a guy that I believed in going into the year. Uh, so the fact that Mitch missed, I I kind of feel like you know my view on Montgomery was right here, but um, I think there's also something to be said for uh, is this just his upside? You know, like is is his upside just limited? because of you know situation or athletic ability or just talent or whatever um to where he's you know not really ever going to break into a consistent running back one territory like on a on a consistent basis so if that's the case and i think we kind of know we have enough data now to know what monty is going to be uh there's a big opportunity cost to being invested in a guy who is a running back too you know and you can go and get this guy off your roster and go take other lotto tickets to get you up into that, you know, top tier talent. So uh, that's what I would recommend uh, to the listeners. But, you know, I know Mitch isn't here to defend his boy Monty. But uh, anyway, um, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So just a little bit of context. Uh, When we did this episode, the three of us, me, John and Trey had David Montgomery as our running back 20 
in um, our dynasty rankings, and Mitch had him at running back 11. Uh, and DLF ADP at the time had him at running back 19, right? So right now he's up to running back 16 on keep trade cut, um, and he was running back 17 on keep trade cut on September 2nd. So his value has remained flat. And what I said on the episode back then was that my concern with Monty is that his market doesn't really have a lot of ceiling. Like what I said is that even if he has another good year, he's probably not going to carry a lot of value into the off season. And what that means, it's not necessarily bad if you're just trying to ride his production through the playoffs, but if you're going into the off season, you basically have to hold. And ultimately, unless you want to sell relatively low, you have to ride him into obscurity, at least if you like take him into the offseason. And the other thing is what we learned throughout the course of the season is that Khalil Herbert is a a really good running back. I mean, at least when uh, he came in for relief of David Montgomery, I think he performed really well um, and play. And, you know, um, tape analysts that I really trust seem to like Khalil Herbert uh, more than David Montgomery. And I saw that bear out, uh, on the field too. So that's my concern with Montgomery is essentially like, you're just writing RB two production, right. right. Instead of getting potential RB one value on your team that not only translates into points in your lineup, but a really significant trade piece that you can, you know, beef up your dynasty team with. Yeah. And, and just to throw out the fact that we haven't really included the rookies in these keep trade cut rankings. So I could definitely see myself taking two or three of the top running back rookies and uh, putting them above David Montgomery, just because they would provide that sort of top tier upside. Potentially, I haven't gone through the process yet, but it could potentially provide that top tier upside that where, you know, we kind of know what Monty's ceiling is at this point. All right. So, uh, yeah, Mitch's first reputation player, David Montgomery, definitely helped you in the playoffs, but value has remained relatively flat. All right, Trey, let's move on to your first reputation player. All right. Well, uh, my uh, my number one reputation player for this season was uh, rookie wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, Rashad Bateman, a.k.a. Shoddy B. And uh, yeah, I was really high on this guy. I had him uh, as my wide receiver too, pretty much throughout the entire offseason. And, uh, you know, it's kind of obvious now, but that was a big miss. Uh, so Shoddy B is currently down at uh, wide receiver 27 on keep trade cut. And that is the sixth ranked wide receiver from his class. He's behind uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Elijah Moore, and the sun god, Amon Ra St. Brown. So, you know, I liked him for a lot of the analytical reasons I talked about last offseason, his early breakout age, his college dominator. Um, you know, and I basically what I said at the time was that the talent would prevail over the situation. Being drafted into Baltimore, I think we all agreed, probably knocked his value down a little bit uh, going into uh, last August. But basically uh shoddy b got hurt early he had the groin injury and that talent never really ever ended up prevailing so his target share on the season was 15.8 percent air yard share was about the same 16.4 percent yards per route run down at 1.55 all of those metrics were outside the top 60 wide receivers so he wasn't even in wide receiver five territory based on his performance this year so that really sucks because the situation actually did end up improving overall. The Ravens passed more uh, than they did the year before. They were up to 35 attempts per game, which was actually slightly above league average. So 
you know, you could argue the opportunity was there and Rashad Bateman just didn't do enough on the field or in practice to get that usage on the field. So, you know, he missed my expectation by quite a bit. Um, I was hoping for a Brandon Ayuk level breakout, you know, clearing that 20% target share mark. I thought he would end up in the top 20 wide receivers. He's not quite there yet. He's still down at wide receiver 27. I'm not going to blame it all on the injury. Uh, it's not all because of the groin injury, but I do think it, you know, maybe was a factor. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I think I'm going to do differently is just looking at um, adjusting for conference in my rookie rankings. So, you know, putting a little bit more weight on that SEC ranking over guys from the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the Big 12, just because I do think that level of competition matters. We factor it in in other, you know, ways during the rookie evaluation process. So um, I'm not, you know, going to totally swing wildly the other direction here, but I'm going to put a little bit more weight on yards per team pass attempt out of the SEC than the other conferences going forward. Well, look, Trey, uh, we're going to talk about another Ravens rookie receiver that came out of the Big 12 (laughs) later in the episode. Uh, So as you know, if you're feeling bad about your reputation right now, trust me, uh, I'm going to help you out later. But I think and and a lot of the conversations are probably going to overlap here because I think one of the big things we undervalued as a group was Hollywood Brown's ability to soak up wide receiver targets in that offense. He was the wide receiver 11 in terms of targets per game uh, in 2021, which I think would surprise all of us, right? Um, Marquise Brown did not see that coming. You know, uh, he, he had like a few insane target games like 14 target games right and then obviously we know mark andrews kind of had his true breakout year as the tight end one this year um so i i don't want to get like too bogged down in market share there's too many mouths to feed or whatever but that was definitely a consideration that we missed i think we underrated marquise brown a former round one pick of the ravens to become a, a target hog on the outside yeah uh, that all being said you know i think Bateman as wide receiver 27 on keep trade cut kind of smells like a buy to me right now. Yeah, I think he's a buy low. He's like that prototypical guy. You look for a wide receiver that you highly uh, craved at the beginning of the process who underperformed their rookie year and then you go get them after that rookie year. Bateman's that guy. He's the guy I'm circling during this offseason. Trey, I think he might have just been one year too early. If he stays healthy, I think he he can be that guy. I think he showed it in spurts. And, uh, you know, it takes some guys longer to adjust to the NFL than other guys. So I'm not I'm not uh, ready to give up on uh, on Rashad Bateman right now. And I think we can we let's not give you an L on this reputation player. Let's let's give you a TBD is what I'm thinking. Let's let's revisit this in a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely was hoping for a little bit more uh, as a rookie. Um, he didn't really hit the marks I had, I had set for him. Um, I appreciate you guys, uh, throw me the, uh, life raft here, but, uh, you know, we, we did factor in Marquise Brown. We factored in Mark Andrews when we were thinking about, you know, it's a limited passing offense. There's not going to be that many opportunities for Bateman. And, you know, he was faded in some circles because of that. So, um, honestly, I'm, I'm looking at him as more of a, a hold or a sell if I can get the right price at this point. So. 
Um, you know, I mean, if I'm looking in his territory, right? He Amari Cooper's ranked three spots ahead of him on key trade cut. I probably trade away Amari Cooper for Rashad Bateman. Yes. Jerry Judy, I probably trade away for Rashad Bateman, ranked two spots ahead of him. Yes. Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, right behind him. I probably trade both of those guys away for Rashad Bateman. So obviously it's it's not necessarily like, okay, we need to look wide receiver to wide receiver here in order to think that he's a buy, right? But I think there are buying opportunities for Rashad Bateman in his neighborhood of wide receiver rankings that I think make sense to me. Um, but yeah, probably hold, uh, more than anything, Trey. I agree. Yeah. Is, is the Pittman breakout possible? Sure. Uh, you know, I kind of like Claypool in that range out of the receivers that you mentioned. Uh, so maybe that's the direction I would go. Uh, but you know, um, if, if you're in a startup draft and he falls quite a bit, then I would think about it, but he's not a guy I'm going to reach for at this point. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, on Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy Akash. Uh, he, basically pointed out that chase claypool had the exact same year this year he just had nine less touchdowns so uh claypool might be a nice target as well i i will say in a vacuum i prefer bateman uh to claypool sure all right john uh let's move on to what was your first reputation player back in early september so my reputation player was keenan allen and uh i i want to read you a verbatim quote i don't want to screw it up so i'm just gonna actually read it to you so in the original reputation player episode back in september i said very confidently i might add i used to be a mike williams truther but is now abundantly clear that keenan allen is the most talented receiver for the chargers by a mile <clears throat> I also boldly proclaimed Allen had the potential to be the wide receiver one this season overall. Um, I suspected he would end up something like wide receiver five or, uh, and I, I, and I also directly said his absolute floor, his absolute floor was wide receiver 10. And uh, do you happen to know where Keenan Allen finished on the year? Tell us John. After 18 weeks, he was wide receiver 11. So, well, you know, that's a, it's a little lower than 10, that's, but it's pretty that's close. That's pretty good though, man. I, you're almost there. Yeah. You know, if we round, I guess, to the nearest 10 or whatever, but okay. So here's my argument. My argument was predicated on, uh, Keenan Allen being the most dom- dominant wide receiver in an offense led by an improved year two, Justin Herbert. And you know what? Herbert did improve. He's QB two on the year and he, uh, he improved on that very good rookie season, but Keenan Allen, however, fell from 17.5 PPR points per game to 16.1 this year. So the question is why? And I think you already know the answer. The answer is probably because of the emergence of that guy who finished right behind Keenan Allen at wide receiver 12. And this includes, uh, I included week 18 to make this a little bit more poetic. After week 18, wide receiver 12 was Mike Williams. He had a big game week 18, so I had to include it. So wide receiver (laughs) 11... Keenan Allen, wide receiver 12, Mike Williams. So big shout out to Justin Herbert. He was the only quarterback uh, during the first 18 weeks that supported two wide receiver ones. That's kind of interesting. Uh, So I'm going to say that my process was right, but what I assumed would happen was Herbert would lean on one dominant wide receiver, but it turns out Mike Williams is not dead after all. Uh, So I missed on that. So uh, I, I guess I, I got to take a little bit of an L on this one because I did not see the emergence of Mike Williams. But in, in fairness, I don't think anybody else did either. 
Uh, so in terms of going forward with Keenan Allen, there is an out in his contract during this offseason. But given that Mike Williams is going into free agency, and he may not resign. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that Allen is going to be with Justin Herbert at least next season, maybe the season after that. And during that time, you should expect the same thing. Uh, another low end wide receiver perform wide receiver one performance next year, year after yeah. that, perhaps. Uh, and I, that's pretty good value. So it's not wide receiver one overall, like I suspected might happen, but um, we, I just didn't see the increase in targets I was expecting. I didn't see the increase in touchdowns. I didn't see the increase in receptions. His performance stayed the same. Justin Herbert got better. He just distributed the, uh, the performance elsewhere to Mike Williams and some of these other guys too. Uh, Josh, Josh Palmer, watch out. Yeah, so John, even if Mike Williams uh, ends up re-signing with the Chargers, I think uh, I think Allen is still going to be a value going into next season uh, because yeah, right. you're going to get that 30-year-old receiver discount and you're going to get that low-end wide receiver one production. So that's exactly what you want for a contending roster. I mean, that's right. a great guy to fill out your starting receiver spots. So, um, you know, there was some talk in the offseason, uh, this new offensive coordinator from the Saints, Joe Lombardi, uh, talking about Mike Williams uh, potentially taking over the Michael Thomas role in that right. offense. We saw that sometimes uh, last year, but, you know, there were also the weeks where Mike Williams kind of, you know, turned back into a pumpkin, you know, like he has been for the first five years of his career. So um, I'm not, I'm not going to go and tell people, uh, you know, they were wrong for investing in Keenan Allen because, you know, he hit those low end wide receiver one numbers uh, pretty much exactly what you said his floor was going to be and pretty much nailed it right on. Yeah. Um, me, Trey and Mitch talked about Keenan Allen a couple weeks ago on the podcast. And I think we kind of all came to a similar conclusion that once you kind of get into startup season, him being ranked wide receiver 26 right now, and that's before Traylon Burks comes into the fold. That's before Garrett Wilson comes into the fold, right? He's going to be a guy that you're going to get in your ninth, 10th round of startups and it's just it's going to be easy money it's in terms of money. points in your lineup so i agree with you here john i think you're we're probably going to get another year or two of really safe low-end wide receiver one numbers and yeah i mean justin herbert is just a great quarterback you know like he's one of those quarterbacks that if if mike williams is beating his guy on the outside, he's going to target Mike Williams over and over again. Right. And that's why we kind of see these really big weeks from Mike Williams. And then he'll kind of go away for a little bit. And then we'll see big weeks from other guys. It's because Justin Herbert is exploiting holes in that other team's defense. I know that's kind of narrative based, but and that that's not necessarily a bad thing for me. I think we have to embrace the fact that most wide receivers are relatively inconsistent on a week to week basis, Absolutely. unless we're talking about Cooper Cup or Devonte Adams. And Keenan Allen is pretty much, in terms of a PPR floor, as consistent as you're going to get in your wide receiver two, or if we're going by market value, wide receiver three spot on your dynasty roster. So for sure. Yeah. Um, Keenan Allen, big uh, target this year, I think, for anybody that fancies themselves a contender. All right. Uh, We'll close out this first half with my first reputation player. We're keeping it with the wide receivers. And this was a guy that I just showered love on all preseason. And that was Brandon Ayuk. So uh, I understood the concerns coming in. This is how I started on the reputation player episode. 
He was going to have a rookie quarterback, right? That didn't really turn out to be true. But he also has an elite tight end in his offense and George Kittle. And on that episode, I called Debo Samuel a, quote, good player who will get a lot of manufactured touches, end quote. (laughs) Well, look, we know now that that was the understatement of the century. Debo Samuel was one of the best football players on any NFL field this year. He was absolutely insane. I even conceded that paying Ayuk's market price back in September and August as a borderline wide receiver one was probably too much. You probably shouldn't have paid that. But, you know, looking back, I definitely did expect to see higher upside on a more consistent basis throughout 2021 than we did. The first half of the year was just brutal. So between weeks one and eight, he was the wide receiver 88. 88 with 5.2 PPR points per game. That's just fucking brutal. And this was partially because of Debo Samuel becoming a supernova. But I think mostly it was because he started the year in Kyle Shanahan's weird fucking doghouse after after being nicked up through a lot of the training camp. So things got better in the second half of the year. Between weeks 9 and 17, he was the wide receiver 14 overall in PPR, wide receiver 23 in points per game at 13 points even. So this is kind of what I expected to see throughout the whole year. I even said on the Reputation Player episode that I expected him to put up wide receiver 2 numbers, and that might make his value take a slight hit down to like wide receiver 18 or 20, and then he would become a buy. So that scenario in a roundabout way kind of played out. And because of how difficult he was to trust for the first eight or nine weeks, I I think his perception is going to make it to where he's a great buy at his current value of wide receiver 22 on keep trade cut. So that sounds like a victory lap, but let me back up here because where my process went really wrong was the overconfidence in his ability to consistently command an elite target share in that 23 to 26% range. I mean, that's not elite. Elite would be more like 30%, but like very good is 23 to 26%. And as Debo's rushing attempts have begun to outpace his receptions, I don't feel as bad about that take, but I clearly just did not consider, did not fathom how Debo could become the focal point of that offense. And that was just a big miss in terms of my prediction of what the range of outcomes could be in that offense. So look, I still really love Ayuk. And I think as a low-end wide receiver, too, on the market, he's a great value buy as a bit of a post-hype sleeper. But what do y'all think? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna zoom out a little bit, and I'm just going to say that he got in a little bit of trouble with Shanahan for whatever reason, and we don't know exactly what happened. And I think that that's created a bit of a discount, and it's essentially just hit a reset, and now we're in the same spot where we were last year. And he kind of looks like the same receiver that we thought he was a year ago, you know? So I almost feel like more confident in his value at this point. So I agree with you. I think he's a buy. uh, And I think there's a big discount right now because of all the narrative around uh, Kittle, around Samuel, the Shanahan's doghouse and all that nonsense. Yeah. Last summer, um, when we were having these conversations about Debo and Ayuk, my whole argument was Ayuk's ranked really high. Debo not as high and they should be ranked closer together. And now it's been flipped on its head. Debo's yeah. way up on keep trade cut at uh wide receiver, what is it, eight now. 
Jeez. and uh, and Ayuk's at twenty two, and I I I think it's still the same argument. I, maybe Debo sh- is the better of the two in terms of dynasty value, but they should yeah. be more similarly ranked. So I'm with you when you say that he's a buy right now. Uh, I think he is because we've seen what he can do when he's on the field and he's not in the doghouse. So if you can get him for wide receiver two p- prices, then I'm all over that. Uh, Debo is. Uh, he's my guy, and I love that he's at wide receiver eight. But in reality, they should be more closely ranked just because, and this was my argument all summer as well, Kittle is still the man on that offense, and I, I think that he's going to command all the targets. Debo's going to find his value from the running game, which Ayuk will not. But I think that's going to evolve as the offense evolves with Trey Lance. Yeah, and and you know what? Just to jump on that, I think there's a world where there's an opportunity created next year where maybe... Uh, Samuel is missing a week or two, maybe Kittle's missing a week or two, and Ayuk steps in and just absolutely is the wide receiver one. Sure. You know, like yeah. that that realm of possibility seems like wide open to me. So yeah, I think maybe there his ceiling isn't super high right now until we kind of see it on the field, but he, there's definitely room to go up from wide receiver 22. And, and if you're, yeah. what you're saying is true and those guys should be, you know, closer together in the ranks, then- you know, maybe Samuel should kind of fall down into the 14, 15 range. Maybe Ayuk should be in that 17, 18 range. So that's not really like a ton of upside, but I, you know, it makes sense the way you, uh, the way you say it, John. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think Brandon Ayuk's upside, what I thought his upside was going into the season was like a top eight, top five right. dynasty receiver. And that it, you know, and I re- had that reflected in my ranking of him as dynasty wide receiver 11 or 12. Right. Right. I think his upside now is more like a low end wide receiver one. Sure. Right. I think in, in his best years, he's got the talent and the ability to be a low end wide receiver one, but he's, he's probably not going to get to that, you know, top five, just target hog share that I thought was possible. Um, so, but I, yeah, I think I'm glad we all agree that he, he kind of represents a buy opportunity right now. Um, so, uh, unlike you guys will find out in the second half, my reputation is still relatively intact, but um, well, hold on just to summarize, did we just take four L's between the four of us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think yours was an L John. Oh, yeah, all they're right. all they're, <laughs> yours was probably the best, honestly, well, uh, in terms of just like maintaining production value going forward. And I'm sure Mitch would argue that his is too, but, but we'll see. You know, I think they they were all about half L's. My so. uh, my victory will be short lived as we get into halftime here. All right, Mike, check for it is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. So, uh, in our halftime segment, as a reminder, we each pick a game against the spread, and I, in Illinois, place a four-leg parlay based on those picks. So, we're at the end of the regular season here, so let's do a quick recap. In 18 weeks, we hit the parlay three times, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is, because in terms of money, that's a 233% return on total investment. Hashtag TLG financial. We are not financial advisors. But um, last week in week 18, we went two and two. So our final record overall for the regular season was 38 and 34 as a group. Individual finishes. I was 13 and five. Trey was 10 and eight. And that doesn't sound as impressive as it actually is because Trey finished the year on a six game fucking heater. 
basically the Miami Dolphins over here. Right. You're so, getting fired, Trey. Um, <laughs> Trey was ten and eight, and Mitch was nine and nine, right at five hundred, and John was six and twelve. And Woo! look, that doesn't that doesn't sound that great, but it, it look half of John's right picks came on parlay hit weeks. So when he was on, he was running hot. So that's we we got what we needed out of John. He helped us. You know, he helped me get my money back. So Very thank kind. you, John. Very I kind. Of I you, can't Eric. think of too many weeks where the three of us got one right. And John was the only one who uh, boxed us out. I know, I know Mitch did that at least once, but uh, yeah, you know, it's we Mitch's really, not mine. We should, yeah. we should have kept track of that. Like who was the one who killed the parlay? Like, yeah, next year. we'll do that next year. I can, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go, I can go back and do some record keeping and, and maybe, uh, maybe figure out who we really need to shit on, but <laughs> it's um, me. It's definitely me. So, so the regular season is over, but this week for halftime, we're going to keep the party going and we're each going to pick a playoff game against the spread. So first, We'll go with Mitch. Uh, he had Cowboys minus three at home against the 49ers. And Trey and John, look, I'm a Cowboys fan. Trey's a Cowboys fan. I will say I have never seen so many people say that an underdog is going to win as I've seen people saying that the Niners are going to win this weekend. Like in terms of Twitter perception, the 49ers are the favorites. So what do y'all think about that? Uh, I mean, but who's starting at quarterback for the 49ers these days anyway? Like it's do, Jimmy G. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Like it's, it's the wild card weekend. And I think the favorite needs to be picked basically every time because they're a favorite for the reason. Right. And they're at home. I like the Cowboys here. Good job, Mitch. I think that was the right pick. Yeah. You know what? I've been burned by the Cowboys so many times for so long, uh, basically as long as I can remember. So, uh, I think that's what's going into this, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I could see the Niners coming in and and ruining the Cowboys day, but uh, I could also see the Cowboys taking care of business. It's a, that's a coin flip for me. Right. The Cowboys force a lot of turnovers, but they do give up a lot of yards. So we'll see. All right. So my pick, uh, I'm going with Kansas City minus 12 and a half at home against the Steelers. I think this is going to be a blowout in Ben's final game of his career. It's a lot of points to give up, but I think the Chiefs are going to win by 20 here at home. Did so. you see did you guys see uh, the press conference where uh Big Ben was basically saying, "Yeah, you know, nobody believes in us. We don't really have a chance. So, uh we'll just go out there and see what happens." Yeah, yeah. he's going to throw for two, 10 yards and he's going to get sacked 800 times. It's going to be great. <laughs> he's he's going to throw it like 60 times for 190 yards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> go home, Big Ben. Uh, we're over it. All right, John, uh, what is your pick? And I think I picked the very first game. So if I do what I usually do, I'm going to ruin our parlay real early. I picked the Bengals negative 4.5 at home against the Raiders. So I did a little research. I did some Googling. And I found that it's going to be below freezing for this game. The high in Cincinnati on Saturday is 31 degrees. So I'm going to take the home team in those weather conditions. Uh, bonus points for the Bengals having a better rested team after basically taking week 18th off. Uh, the week 18 off, that was a breather for them. Also, let's not forget that the last time these guys played in Las Vegas, the Bengals went ahead and blew out the Raiders. So yeah, I think the Bengals are going to win, and let's and the the fans are going to be into it. They're not going to care about the weather. They're so excited in Cincinnati about these Bengals. They're going to be rooting them on. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. Bengals are going to run away, and Raiders are going to go where they belong, not in the playoffs. Now, John, I know you're 
you're a Texan now and, uh, you know, that's where Tarek and I grew up, but we haven't lived in Texas for a while. And, uh, let me tell you, 31 degrees, that's going to be balmy for those Cincy fans. So they're going to be loving it. They're going to be having a great time. Pretty I think frigid Cincy here. Be right at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that rest advantage, it's not just that the Bengals essentially took last week off. It's that the Raiders played in the final game of the week and they went into overtime and it was super emotional and exhausting and they played like 100 plays. So I... I I really like this pick. I, also, I, w- I will have to say that uh, Mitch wanted to take the Raiders plus uh, five and a half back when it was uh, at five and a half. So we kind of have a little bit of an internal disagreement here, but I'm I'm into Bengals minus four and a half. Go, go Burrows. Let me just say one more thing. You know how the Raiders could feel a little bit more well-rested is if they would have just gone ahead and taken a knee in overtime yeah and then taking taking that knee <laughs> taking that breather for 15 minutes and then they'd be nice and well rested for the playoffs that's right all right trey what's your pick okay uh so you guys didn't give me a whole lot left to pick from here uh so um give me the eagles as eight and a half point dogs at tampa bay and the reason i'm going with the big underdogs here is I just think eight and a half is a lot of points for the playoffs. And I think the Eagles are getting pretty hot right now. And, you know, Tampa Bay is not playing at full strength. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I like I like Philly. I like the way Jalen Hurts has led this team, uh, you know, despite all the doubters. And I think they can keep it close enough to cover. They're probably not going to win, but they can probably cover eight and a half. I like that. I You know, I think the counter narrative is that the Eagles have become, you know, by far the biggest rushing team in uh the nfl are the most successful rushing team and tampa bay will should be getting back both jpp and shaq barrett so their rush defense will probably be pretty good all that being said i actually agree with you here because i just think the way that the bucks have been playing recently it's it's gonna be hard for them to just blow out what is a professional operation in the philadelphia eagles so uh, I agree with this. I think they're going to keep it close. I also agree, you know, Tampa Bay is going to go on to the next round. Glad you agree. All right. So uh, just as a recap, Mitch has got Cowboys minus three at home against the Niners. I'm going with the big favorite of the week, Kansas City minus 12 and a half at home against the Steelers. John's got Joe Burrow and the Bengals minus four and a half at home against the Raiders and Trey naturally has the lone dog on the week plus eight and a half eagles at the tampa bay buccaneers all All right right. let's kick off this second half where we're going to get into our second set of reputation players and like we did in the first half we will start out with our absentee um that would be mitch his second reputation player was wide receiver for the denver broncos Cortland Sutton. So if we remember back uh, to the beginning of the season, we were all higher on Cortland Sutton than Jerry Judy coming into the year. And we were reasonably ahead of the market on Sutton. Um, Coming into the season, we liked his upside, kind of was that size speed freak on the outside. We liked the upside for him to be the alpha in that offense. And early in the year, you know, we were kind of looking pretty smart. He had a few boom games in the beginning, 24.9 points in week two, 25 points in week five, 23.4 points in week six. And then, man, he just disappeared from week seven to 17. He averaged 
just four targets per game and 5.5 PPR fantasy points. Absolutely horrible. It's basically like him and Brandon Ayuk just switched roles in the second half of the season. Um, He currently, though, is wide receiver 37 on keep trade cut going into his age 27 season on a fresh four-year extension. Guys, what is the deal with Cortland Sutton moving forward? Moving forward, who knows? But he uh, he was dealing with injury at the beginning of the year, and it was easy to attribute his lack of production to that. But I don't know. That whole offense was so dependent on Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Um, I think they did the right thing by firing the coach and the offensive coordinator. They're going to get some new ideas in there. They're going to get a new quarterback, whether it's by trade or by draft. And that's good news for Cortland Sutton, since uh, I really thought he might move on. But since he's locked up in there now, uh, he's got to be a buy low. He's got to be because he's at least a wide receiver, too, for an NFL team. And so what did you say he was on keep trade cut currently? Wide receiver 37. So that that's I mean, he's he's going to likely outperform that. Um, the question is, can you actually get him on your roster for that value? Uh, but I think it, to summarize just like the big idea here. Mitch, you took a big L here and you picked the wrong guy. So if you're listening right now, you should feel really bad about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did he really pick the wrong guy when the right guy was Jerry Judy, uh, who did not have a very good season in his own right? I mean, there was no, yeah, there wasn't a single receiver. Tim Patrick looked like the best receiver for the Broncos. And dude, you are not lying. I think, I think KJ Hamler might be the best dynasty value on that team. I didn't miss the entire year. Alberto, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, I I mean, yeah, this is all, I mean, in terms of moving forward, it's all going to be dependent on what they do at the quarterback position because Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to do enough to support Cortland Sutton being a wide receiver too in fantasy. No. I mean, I guess if they don't get anybody, maybe we hope Drew Locke over Teddy Bridgewater because Cortland Sutton's best days were with Drew Locke. But really what we're hoping for is Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be Aaron Rodgers came into the fold. I think we'd all be pretty excited about Cortland Sutton. But what do you no, think? I'm, I'm shaking my head because uh, I just I don't see it. Uh, I think Sutton is a sell. And if you don't want to sell now because you're feeling At wide receiver 37, because if you're feeling bad about it now, then you know what you can do. You can wait and you can hold until they do make the change at quarterback. You probably will get a jump in value then, and then you can sell then because yeah, they yeah. they essentially just turned him into a deep threat this year. Um, yes, he does have some touchdown regression, uh, like positive regression coming in his favor. He only had two on the year for a three point four percent rate, uh, but that's not enough for me to be um, you know investing uh, any sort of roster space on this guy at this point. So uh, I just think the opportunity cost of rostering him is is too high and. There's more upside out there elsewhere. I mean, maybe he has some positive touchdown regression coming his way. But, you know, we tend to think that year over year, one of the more sticky metrics is target share and targets, right? right? Four targets per game over the final 10 weeks of the fantasy season is just not going to get it done, right? 18.9% so on the year. So he's well out of the range of a starter for your dynasty contender. Yeah, so I I hear what you're saying. I think wide receiver 37 to me feels pretty attractive, 
but um, your your pessimism is kind of hang on, is kinda hang on a second. There. Let me challenge you on that because oh. you know who was down in wide receiver 37 range at the beginning of last offseason? Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. Like all these rookies coming in that are these like high second round upside guys. Like that's who you're passing on to to take Cortland Sutton right now. So no, I give me the upside, like the guys that can take that next jump into like returning some real value. And yeah, worst case scenario for Cortland Sutton is that he's the next Kenny Galladay, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, That's pretty, uh, oh, hold on. Does, That's Tyler pretty bad. Tyler Boyd, yeah. Devontae Parker, like there's a whole list of these guys. DJ Chark. Despite a big contract, uh, just, you know, isn't really heard from again and kind of falls down to wide receiver 60. So I hear what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. All right, Trey, uh, let's move on to your second reputation player. How'd you do? All right. Well, I'm out. On Cortland Sutton, but uh, uh, my reputation player was uh, was DeAndre Swift, so running back for the Lions. I was uh, I was super high on Swift. I uh, picked him up in a lot of uh, a lot of leagues uh, last off season. So basically, what I said in our uh, reputation player episode was that a DeAndre Swift would be a league winner, and that definitely was not the case. But uh, it wasn't a complete miss either. So I'll give myself partial credit for this one too. Uh, one of the things I liked about DeAndre Swift, we talked about a bunch, was his pass catching upside. So he ended the year with 78 targets on the year, which was number four overall for running backs. He was higher than that on a point per game or on a target per game basis. So I'm pretty much nailed that one. He, you know, the the passing usage was there. One of the issues was the touchdown. So he only had seven on the season, so a 3.3% touchdown rate. That was definitely partly due to how bad the Lions were in that situation, but it was also partly due to the usage as well. He had 27 red zone touches on the season. That was number 29 uh, for running backs in the league. So he was not really an option for them in the red zone, uh, and they really weren't making too many red zone trips either uh, because of the you know offense just wasn't that effective. So. You know, all of that's to say is, you know, he definitely did not turn into a league winner this year, but he did return some value. So he was about running back 11 uh, when we were going into uh, the season last year. He's up to running back four right now, the same tier as Najee Harris and uh, Javante Williams. Um, You know, there's a big gap between Jonathan Taylor at the one and those other three guys. And those, those three guys are all pretty close. Like depending on the day, Swift could be running back two or running back four, um, you know, depending on the latest news. So if you did invest in them, you gained some value. <laughs> you gained some value, just not as much as I had hoped. And um, honestly, at this point, uh, just looking at the situation going into next year, I think it's going to be more of the same. So I'm leaning towards selling or holding at this point. I just don't really seem a, a lot of room for uh, Swift to go up at this point. And if you look at guys who are like similar value on keep trade cut right now, here's a couple names for you. There's Dak Prescott, there's CeeDee Lamb, Javante Williams, and Cooper Cup. And all of those sound about right to me. And, you know, I think I might go with Williams or Cup there over Swift, but it's super close. So I don't, I don't see a ton of upside there. And, um, he's not somebody that I'm going to go actively try to buy at this point. So, you know, another reputation player that I'm now moving on from in, uh, in year two. Damn Trey. Like I was having this conversation yesterday. I said, if we had a one QB startup today, I would go 
Jamar Chase, Jonathan Taylor, J. Jeff, and then DeAndre Swift. And now you're making me feel like that is like a bad evaluation. Like you're coming off DeAndre DeAndre Swift quite a bit. Yeah, and I guess the the question is is what do you think is going to be different next year that you know was compared to the situation this year? Like, is he going to take a next step in terms of his rushing efficiency? Maybe, maybe I mean, I, I, he's already been pretty efficient. What you would hope is that he stays healthy, I think, right? right? I mean, the biggest thing that affected his fantasy finish was the fact yeah, that the injury. he was he missed a lot of time, right? Um, but, you know, you nailed it here in terms of his pass catching upside. Uh, he's, one, he's one of, if not the best pass catching running backs in the league. Um, and I think while he wasn't a league winner, if you drafted him, where you could get him, whether in dynasty startups or uh, in redraft leagues, you probably made the playoffs because he was really good before the injury um, in terms of like relative to his value. I think in terms of if I'm selling, buying or holding DeAndre Swift, I lean sell. And and here's why. I have DeAndre Swift in multiple places. DeAndre Swift is one, one of my favorite running backs. He's one of my favorite players in dynasty. But I'm leaning sell because the larger trend is that the running backs that are like 25, 26, 27, like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, even guys like Aaron Jones, they're starting to become a value on the market to me. Right. Right. So I would like to sell Swift for a CD Lamb add a little bit to Swift to get Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson and then use other assets to acquire the cheaper kind of 25, 26 year olds who I think are still going to provide a lot of value in your lineups moving forward. So that's why Swift is becoming a sell to me because those other running backs at the back end of the RB ones are becoming a value. Yeah, another deal I like uh, along those same lines would be Swift for Christian McCaffrey plus a piece. You know, I yeah. think CMC comes back and provides some decent value. And if you could get something in the high second rounder, maybe like low first rounder range to, you know, add to CMC to get there, then that seems like good value to me. <laughs> I'm just laughing to myself because like 12 months ago, <laughs> we would have been laughing at you for saying something like that. Dude, uh, a lot CMC of people are off of CMC right now. Oh my gosh. It's, it's all about what is going to put your dynasty roster in the best position to win. And I think if you evaluate DeAndre Swift, who is my, I think he's all of our dynasty running back twos, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's mine. The, yeah. Behind Jonathan Taylor because of his age and because of the pass catching upside. But what you can get for him versus what you have to pay for the low end running back ones who are going to put great value in your lineup, it just it signals sell in terms of uh, just overall uh, roster building and dynasty. But okay, John, let's move on to your second reputation player from 2021. Well, let's go from running back two in dynasty to tight end. (laughs) Who knows? I don't know what he is. Uh, He ain't tight end one. I know that. Uh, And just like taking like a meta meta comment here. It's like maybe in retrospect, we shouldn't have taken two bears and two Ravens as our reputation players. Like if we could do it all over again, (laughs) maybe go for after the winning teams. Okay. I'm sorry. That was a lot of preamble. I picked Cole Komet and, um, 
I, what I predicted specifically was by the end of this season, a.k.a. now, Cole Komet would be a consensus tight end one in Dynasty. Well, in keep trade cut, he's currently tight end 13, and unless you're playing in the 13-team league, that's not a tight end one. But in DLF, he's uh, tight end 11. So if we average those out, he's consensus tight end 12. Just made it, guys. Woohoo! Good job, Joe. Uh, <laughs> but those rankings are mostly a prediction of what Cole Komet could be because he ended the year as tight end 20 in PPR. But despite that low ranking, and we all know that after tight end six, it's like, who cares? I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about 2022 and beyond. So let's just think about for a second, because uh, we're only in year two of Cole Komet, where he went and where he got to. So in year one, in terms of receptions, he went from 28 to 60, so he more than doubled. So in terms of receptions, tight end 13. Uh, targets more than doubled from 44 to 93. In terms of tight ends, that's tight end nine. Uh, yardage more than doubled, 243 yards to 612. That would be tight end 12 in terms of yardage. And then uh, his the value of his catches also increased. He was getting 8.7 yards per reception his rookie year. This year he was at 10.2 yards per reception. Uh, and, and let's just talk about availability. He tied for first in that metric that I just made up because he played in all 17 games. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to... The availability metric, yeah. <laughs> He's number one because he played them all. Uh, everything uh, everything that I just mentioned pointed to, him, pointed to him having a breakout second season. And I'll mention that he's only age 22. But you know which metric for which he ranked last? I know. You do because it's touchdowns. Yep. He didn't have any guys. In fact, he's the only tight end in the top 24 this season with no touchdowns. Uh, ranking slightly above him in that category was Kyle Pitts with one touchdown. So let me just give you a hypothetical here. If we applied the average number of touchdowns of all the guys above him, so 1 through 19, which would be about 5.4 touchdowns, he would have ended up as tight end 13 right above Pat Fryermuth, which is kind of what I suspected might happen. That didn't happen, obviously. No touchdowns, which is, I think, an aberration. And it's not too hard to construct narrative as to why that didn't happen. Let's think about the Bears for a second. Generally very bad on aff- offense. QB situation was unsettled week to week, etc., etc. However, Komet showed a lot of improvement this year as compared to last year, and I suspect the touchdowns will come in time. I'm looking forward to seeing him in a new system that utilizes Justin Fields correctly. There were times this year when, where in like the two-minute offense, Justin Fields was on fire. So I guess in summary, Cole Komet didn't do much of anything for my reputation this year, but he's clearly a prime candidate to be, and is still very young, third-year breakout player. Definitely should be considered an offseason buy, buy low this candidate this year. Um, I think that with a few more touchdowns, he's going to get to where I thought he was going to get this year. I think I was just a year too early. What do you guys think? John, I'm, I'm 100% with you here. Uh, this is a buy no matter what you know happens to the Bears this offseason. Like they could uh, bring in Urban Meyer uh, back from uh, <laughs> banishment. Don't, no, don't, I'm telling don't you, it'd still be a buy. Like, the 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 no touchdowns is just dragging down his value right now. The only reason he's outside the top 12 is because there was a number of other young guys that had good years that jumped him, right? So Friar Muth was a touchdown machine. 
Uh, Dalton Schultz uh, kind of came out of nowhere for the Cowboys. Dawson Knox took that third year jump. Uh, so look, I think I would definitely take Cole Komet or in that upside over Dalton Schultz, who I think is kind of at a ceiling right now. Mm. And I think you could probably get that deal done for like Komet plus a piece. So if easily, you, yeah, yeah, if you've got Schultz, like go do that because like there's tons of upside here. This is a pre breakout player. You're right, John. You were just a year early. It signed me up for 2022 and Cole Komet. All right. I definitely prefer Dalton Schultz over Cole Komet straight up uh, just because I think he's about to get paid by the Cowboys. Like, I think they're going to give him a decent contract. Um, and I, I think he's kind of locked in there, which actually makes me concerned for my favorite player in the league, which is CeeDee Lamb. But uh, that aside... You know, Cole Komet is just a guy, I think he's uh, outside of the elite tier tight end, sure. right? Yeah. So he's a guy that if you want to go make a bet on, uh, go make a bet on him. Um, but for me, I have him nowhere, so I can't hold. And I'm also probably not going to be buying anywhere. It's just like, I don't see him ever really getting into that range of a top five tight end, whereas... Dalton Schultz, I see it because he just finished as the tight end three on the year, right? Yeah. So it's splitting hairs once you get outside the top six or eight tight sure. ends, but yeah. he's just he's just not a guy that I'm looking for, right? I'm e- I'm either so, gonna but he's pre but he's pre breakout. He yeah he could he could be pre breakout, but let's just say if he breaks out, I'm I'm probably just gonna miss out, you know, unless I can get him for dirt cheap. Well, it it'll depend. It'll depend. We'll, we're gonna see who they bring in, and we're gonna see what offense they're running. But I suspect that he's gonna get a few more red zone uh, targets. But you did you did spark my memory when you said if I'm gonna make a bet because one thing Mitch said to me on that episode. Uh, back in September, he hit me with the over-under uh, for Cole Komet receptions, which was 44.5 on the time. And I said, take that over. And I think I already said it, but he had 60 receptions this, uh, this year. That so one. that if yeah, uh, you got it, it. that was the first bet that I said you should take this year, and I should have retired right there. <laughs> yeah, and may, it makes up for all your halftime calls. But. <laughs> okay. All right, so watch out for the third year breakout for Cole Komet. We'll we'll see if uh, in September uh, John <laughs> retains Cole Komet as a reputation player. <laughs> we might do it again. Why not? We've we've got him on the roster that we co-manage, and I we don't do. see anybody prying him away from us at this point. <laughs> uh, not going to happen. All right, guys, we're going on to my second reputation player, and we are closing out the show with a nice wet fart because <laughs> my second reputation player was wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. No, it was not Rashad Bateman. No, it was not Hollywood Brown. It wasn't even Devin Duvernay. It was rookie out of Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace. So this was my attempt on the reputation episode at calling a long shot. And like most long shots, it did not work out. So Tylen Wallace, as we like to call him, Tylen All Jones, Really solid college production profile in the Big 12 despite tearing his ACL in his junior year and deciding to come back in 2020 for a senior season. 
Listening back to that episode, I thought he had a shot at being the wide receiver two in Baltimore behind Rashad Bateman, which is just a fucking laughable take. (laughs) It was obvious and blatant disrespect toward Hollywood Brown. I also thought that he was faster and stronger than his testing indicated. Another fucking blatant and horrible take. And I just felt in my bones that he would have one or two pop games as a rookie that would at least boost his value from about a 17th or 18th round startup pick in August to more like an 11th or 12th round startup pick today. Eh, wrong. He he just played special teams and that's it. He he simply did not see the field. He totaled 6 targets, 2 catches and 23 yards on the season. A complete and utter waste of breath on my part. So guys, what did I do wrong? It's simple. I willfully decided to ignore draft capital and athletic ability because I saw him moss Big 12 corners for a few years. And Trey talks about this earlier a little bit. I'm I'm just not going to be doing that in the future. Like if somebody comes in with fourth or day three draft capital and they have poor athletic testing, fade that lesson learned, guys. And while I do think it's okay to take a long shot in the 17th round of your startups on a guy with flags in their profile like Tylen Wallace, if you believe in their talent, maybe, guys, maybe, just maybe, don't stake your dynasty reputation on that player. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's a tough cut. Um, you know, he... Uh, he fell to the fourth round for a reason, you know, and uh, I guess we found out uh, what that reason was this year because uh, I guess he's just not very good. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe he uh, he turns it around in year two. Uh, what would you put the probability on a breakout at this point? I would say five percent chance. I was going to say a, a two less two percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say one to two percent. I mean, I, like. If he can't beat out Devin Duvernay and, you know, yeah. hook him, but if he can't beat out Devin Duvernay, I, I don't think he's going anywhere at like complete face plant, obviously. So we're just out, guys. Don't pay anything for Tylen Wallace. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown was a guy that, you know, we were high on that fell to the fourth round uh, who ended up working out. Right. So uh, he, his his production profile and his athletic profile uh, and his breakout age was obviously better than Tylen Wallace, but man, I, 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 I just fucked up, y'all. That's all I can say. Hey, there's so. only one direction to go from here, though. So next year, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna get it. I got faith in you. You know. So while while I you know like to subtly flex nuts on every halftime and say you know I was 13 and five on the year, um, my reputation is in the dirt right now. So, yeah. uh, but that's okay. I'm going to rehab it. I'm going to rehab it. Uh, we're, we're not going to be picking fourth round rookies out of the big 12 with bad athletic testing in the you, future. You y'all. know, though, between money and reputation, I think I'd rather have money myself. <laughs> well, it's, it's perfect timing that you brought this up right before uh, we get into rookie profiles before we really get yep. to the swing of the off season. Cause, uh, it's a good re- reminder out there for every Amon Ross St. Brown. There's a Tylen Wallace, you know? Yep. Man. Uh, it so, happens every year. Right, right. Every year. Those fourth rounders are risky dart throws for a reason. And this is exactly why. Yep. Yeah. Don't stake your reputation on them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that said, with um, my reputation hanging on by a thread, those were our reputation players. Let me just list the eight of them really quickly. Mitch had David Montgomery and Cortland Sutton. 
John went with Keenan Allen and Cole Komet. Mine were Brandon Ayuk and um, uh, T. Higgins. And <laughs> no, Trey's no, no, no. were... <laughs> and no, no, Trey's... No. <laughs> and trays were Rashad Bateman and DeAndre Swift. But that is going to do it for episode 39 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week. Adios. Goodbye.